Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. We're continuing our exploration of the Finnovate Fall Best of Show winners from New York this past September. And joining me today, we have David Snitkoff of Ocrelis. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Greg. Good to be here. So for those of our listeners who haven't seen your demo video, which is, of course, available at Finnovate.com, can you give us just a quick background on yourself and on Ocrelis? Sure. So I'll start with Ocrelis. You know, Ocrelis is a fintech infrastructure company that helps lenders make high quality decisions with trusted data in an automated and efficient way. And we do that by processing documents as well as digital data streams using a combination of machine and human intelligence. And we got our start with fintech lenders and we've scaled that quite well. And now we work with really the top fintech lenders and banks and mortgage companies across the country and the world. And I've been with Ocrelis for around a year and a half. I've been in fintech and data and financial services for a long time, have have worked at some large companies like American Express and Citigroup, have started my own called Orchard, sold that to Cabbage, ran analytics and data strategy there. And now I'm at Ocrelis helping build data and analytics products for lenders using this wealth of data that's flowing through Ocrelis every day. So that all sounds fascinating, but I'm a little bit confused because it sounded like you used the words automated, efficient, and lending all in the same <laughs> sentence, which is something which is just throw me for a tailspin. And so let, let's talk about this a little bit more because you know we're talking with, about loan origination. Let's start with a relatively simple question. How long should the loan origination process really take? I mean, I know it's a factor of how quickly you get everything you need from the customer, but assuming you've got somebody who's you know responsive and at least moderately intelligent what do you think is a realistic timeline here? Well, it very much depends on what kind of product you're trying to originate and to whom and on what size. But you know, and when people are looking for money, they really want that money now. And one of the things that we used to say at Cabbage and a lot of small business lenders would say is if you're a small business owner, you need your capital now. You don't need it in two weeks. You don't need it in a month. You certainly don't need it in six months. You are managing your cash flow kind of day-to-day, and especially for the smallest businesses, they run pretty close to the margin. And managing your cash flow is really important. So speed is incredibly important. So look, there's some loans. Imagine a, a buy now, pay later, BNPL loan. For that, you know, a second or sometimes less than a second is a pretty good proxy for what it should be because you're doing that approval process in the transaction flow for buying another product. So you don't want to have people abandon their shopping cart because of a long loan origination process. You want to be able to give them a quick answer. And because those kinds of loans are generally pretty small, generally pretty short-term, they're for a very specific known purpose, you can usually use that to, to make the decision pretty quickly. And you're eventually playing a game of numbers. So you're not too concerned about you know one one loan going bad, you're really concerned about the performance of the portfolio overall, at least from a from a mathematical optimization standpoint. Then you get to things like a mortgage. And there's the question of how fast could a mortgage be? And you know, at, at some point in the future, you'll be able to get a mortgage in a couple of days. Harder to say when than to say what. But in theory, 
if you could process all the information and it's all there available, you should be able to get a mortgage in a couple of days versus a month or more of what it takes today. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really kind of the carrot that's dangling in front of the industry right now, this idea that you can drastically reduce the time. And obviously with you know smaller loans, you know, buy now, pay later loans, instantaneous, I think we all kind of have accepted that that's where you need to be. But I think there's still some hesitation when people think about the mortgage origination process or those kind of more complex loans to really think about, you know, what what's a realistic timeline there? You know, I think back to when we were getting our mortgage um, for our house and we were, you know, we were quoted, it's going to be a month long process. First question my wife and I had was, you know, we're, we're pretty organized people. We've got our documents in a row. Mm -hmm. We're good at filling out paperwork. How much time can that save us? And the woman <laughs> turned around and said, you know, it's going to take a full week off the process. It's like a week of it is just kind of anticipating customers not being as on the ball as they could be, right? Mm -hmm. Which is fair enough. Customers aren't always on the ball and that's, you know, the industry needs to serve them wherever they're at. But when you look at, okay, you can chop a week off of it right there. You know, then you start thinking in that in those kind of terms, what really is possible here with an, um, something that can optimize and automate these processes? Um, you start looking at you know, a couple of days. Sounds crazy, right? It sounds like lunacy, but it, it actually kind of doesn't if you really look at what's the process. So let's actually talk about it from the other side. Mm -hmm. What are the pieces that are slowing it up, that are kind of keeping it from being as fast as, you know, it quote unquote should be? So I'm glad you brought up the example of your mortgage. I got a mortgage recently too. And actually at the end of the process, our broker congratulated me for having all my documents and information together and ready to go because it only took us 41 days to underwrite. And like that was really <laughs> great, 41 days. And I thought, 41 <laughs> days, that just, that doesn't sound quick. What would it have been yeah. if, if I were less organized? And so you know the the real thing is that there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance in the mortgage underwriting process but a lot of it a, a lot of it is is straightforward so you know if you're submitting things like bank statements pay stubs tax forms appraisals things like that those are all documents that we literally today at Acrylis automate for our mortgage lending clients so when a customer submits that we can get them and turn them around in minutes and you get totally structured digital data from that. Now, the lender, of course, has to take that data on the other end and make a decision. But the process of ingesting the document, parsing it, understanding it, and structuring the data from it shouldn't take weeks. It should literally take minutes or even faster, especially as our machine learning gets better and better. There are other pieces in mortgage that take time. In theory, you know, appraisal, title search, things like that. And then one that I, I think about all the time, which is calculation of income. Now, if you have a, a so-called traditional job and you receive a salary and you have a W-2 and things like that, then your income calculation tends to be straightforward. But more and more Americans have non-traditional employment, multiple jobs, gig jobs, uneven employment, seasonal employment. And so it's actually quite complex to get data from all these sources. So then it turns into a data availability and standardization problem. And there's a lot of companies, we're working on this, and there are a lot of other companies helping provide access to payroll, to tax, to employment data, to bank data, so that mortgage lenders and other types of lenders can get a realistic and more real-time understanding of someone's income and someone's income variability. Yeah, I think one of the key pieces here is obviously there are some really straightforward cases where it's you know really easy. If someone kind of fits the mold of exactly what a mortgage lender is looking for, you can crank them through the system pretty quickly. But more and more, you're right, there's this complexity coming in, this diverse sources of income. Um, and this is something that I think we're going to keep seeing more of. 
And being able to reconcile that is certainly a challenge and being able to kind of account for that and still keep it to that sort of streamlined process is something which is going to continue to be an issue. Um, but again, to your point, there's ways that you can kind of streamline that you can automate that you can anticipate that, um, which makes life a lot easier, right? Let's kind of switch and, and just to, a add, bit. Just oh, to add one more thing on that, you know, it's not when we talk about speed, it's not just because we're impatient. It's it's not just because Americans want everything faster and people want their money now. Speed actually matters. And you know, borrowers are going to choose the lender who can give them an answer the fastest because that actually creates more choice and more opportunity for borrowers for all sorts of loans. If a lender can give you an answer fast, you as a borrower have the ability to shop around, you have the ability to make comparisons, you have the ability to really get the get the power in the transaction for the ball to be in your court. So speed increases financial choice and it also increases equality in terms of access to capital. Sure. No, I think that's a good point as well. Kind of, it's easy to forget kind of the real world implications of what happens in a lot of these financial transactions and how much of a difference it can make. You know, for some, it might actually be the difference between getting the house that they want or not, or for a different type of right. loan, you know, being able right now there's, there's difficulty kind of getting the right type of cars. And so, you know, there's a shortage of car chips. If you miss out on the car that you want, you might not find another one for another six months. That's um, right. There are very real world consequences for these kinds of pieces. So, you know, when you get up on the Finnovate stage and you make this case, right, the audience obviously responds well, they, um, they like what you're working on, they voted for you for best of show. Um, and, and then you look at this kind of disconnect between you know, what you're showing that what's kind of possible from a technological standpoint, and then the process that still exists. It's clear that there are some pretty significant hurdles between, you know, the vision that you have for what this process can be and what kind of happens in the real world. Can you talk about some of those hurdles so we can get a sense of, you know, why it isn't going as, as fast or why, why people aren't adopting this technology maybe as fast as they should be? So I'll give you two examples, one, one expected and one a little bit less expected. One is that you know, a lot of these lending processes have been at lenders, specifically when you talk about the bigger lenders, for a very long time. And so process change is never easy. There's legacy systems, legacy data, a lot of very complex workflows that involve a lot of people and a lot of paper. And so even if we have very easy to integrate with APIs, which we do, a lot of the work really gets into implementation and you know a client being able to move quickly so that they can implement the thing that they're desperate to implement they want to do it um but it you know takes them time to get resources in their organization and and really be able to so that's you know that's always a hurdle and we we have gotten to be pretty good at helping our customers overcome that hurdle just by working with them on implementation and providing easy guides and helping them out and having integration partners and things like that. But it still exists out there. You know, another hurdle is, this is a little bit less obvious, when you're talking about bringing in new sources of data to an underwriting process, and I'm thinking about cash flow data, alternative sources of income, things like that, it's not just as simple as taking new data and throwing it into your model because the process of you know cash flow underwriting so to speak is is different than traditional credit bureau based underwriting and which by the way is very valuable and has its merit but if you're going to use someone's cash flow data to really understand the deep contours of their financial health 
and their seasonality of cash flow and their future and everything like this, it is a different analytical process than what a lot of these companies are used to. And so they need to think about their analytical process, their models and their decision criteria in a way that they're not typically used to doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that change of mentality is such a difficult one and certainly not unique to the lending space. I think that's something which you see across the board with you know, financial technology adoption. There's a really big disconnect between the people who come to an event like Finnovate who want to look at new technologies and then kind of the, the you know, day in, day out workers on the ground who've been doing these processes for a really long time and for whom change can be really difficult. And so I think you know, understanding that is, is obviously a really important piece. Um, now, we're coming up on the end of our time here, and I want to end with kind of a, a more abstract question. We've sort of hinted around this a little bit um, over the course of the interview so far, but you know, when you look at the future, what does the loan origination process look like five or 10 years from now? And maybe, maybe paint us two pictures, one kind of like a best case scenario and maybe like a worst case scenario so we can get a sense of the range of possible outcomes here. Yeah, great question. Let's start with the worst case. I, I think the worst case scenario is a world of data balkanization where it becomes difficult, whether it's from a, a regulatory standpoint or a, or a technological standpoint, to get data from the sources where you need to get data. And so if, if it's hard to integrate data from different sources, if there's not good system interoperability, if there's not a good way of standardizing data, then a lot of the innovation that we're talking about becomes very, very difficult because you know real-world data is messy and it's difficult to source the data and to get it in a format where it's needed. And you know, I think I believe very strongly in consumer choice around data. That if you're a consumer, you know, you should be able to use your data and the data of, of your performance on different financial services to get whatever financial products you want. And, you know, that gets to ideas around open banking and open APIs and, and things like that, that I'd say are on different trajectories of adoption at different jurisdictions around the world. But, you know, data openness is good and data balkanization is, is bad for this. A best case scenario is the ability to really use the power of the internet and to use the power of, you know, pretty ubiquitous low cost computing to have very personalized financial solutions and very personalized lending products. And by that, I mean, using data that is uniquely about you to be able to proactively construct products that make sense for your financial situation and your financial future and that use the data that's relevant to you and not the data that might be only relevant to someone else. And where because of that, you actually have a much greater diversity of financial products, you have a greater diversity of financial services providers, and then you have a, a process that's pretty streamlined and customer friendly and automated, which really puts the power in the hands of consumers and businesses to get the product they need at the right price at the right time. I love that. I mean, that's so many things in fintech boil down to data right now, but I think it's certainly, you know, it's especially true in this instance. And and I, I agree with you, by the way, I think people should have the right to control their own data and use it to their own advantage. I think that's a really important piece and hopefully, you know, the, the right side wins that struggle um, right now, but you know, it, it's two very different pictures, right? And I think you look at the, the worst case scenario, you look at the best case scenario, both possible. I think based on what we're seeing, best case scenario looking a little bit more likely right now, certainly based Based on you know what 
companies like yourselves are working on. But it's a fascinating time to be a lender. There's some big changes coming. And I think the, the decision right now for most financial institutions is, do I start engaging with this now? Or do I wait a couple of years until I'm forced to engage with this? Obviously, I would say start now, start thinking mm -hmm. about it now, start reconciling the idea that a mortgage could be a three-day process, and then thinking what prevents me from being able to deliver on that. And there's valid reasons, of course, as we discussed, but the sooner you start to get your brain around this idea that it could be inside of a week if we let it, the more likely you are to be able to deliver that lending process, that origination process, which customers are going to love, which is going to give you a big competitive advantage in the space. Absolutely. And, you know, as we talked about a lot, consumers and businesses are going to choose the lenders who give them a great process and who are forward thinking, you know, the bar for quality of customer experiences and consumer products today, online consumer products is very, very high. And the switching costs are close to zero. And so customers can really vote with their feet and with their wallets. And, they, and history has shown us that they probably will. Um, so a little bit of fear, a little bit of a, a carrot, a little bit of a stick there um, in, in what we've talked about so far. Well, uh, David, it's been a real pleasure. Congratulations to yourself and the Oculus team for winning Best of Show again. Uh, any listeners can check out their video at finnovate.com slash videos. Um, find them from the Finnovate Fall 2021 tab there. Um, it's been a real pleasure, David. Thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>